0: Jesus said, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And then five verses later, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. Life starts out simple. Then, somewhere in the middle there, it gets complicated. But then at the end, it gets simple again. My sweet Penelope, she wants about four things, I think. She wants to eat, sleep, poop, and be held. And I think in that Order. But then somewhere along the way, life gets complicated, and you have to start doing math with letters. And the letter W goes next to the number 2, 4, or 9, not to mention 1099, plus A, B, and or C. But then, eventually, at the end, life gets simple. Jesus told Peter... When you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now, Jesus was speaking about Peter's martyrdom, but fewer words are more relatable than this in the Bible. When you are old, you revert back to the habits of your infancy. All you want to do is eat, sleep, and you know the rest. (laughs) Life is simple, it gets complicated, but then it ends Simple enough. And so that is how we will read John chapter 10, the first 10 verses this morning. That is our outline. And you might say, that sounds entirely too complex. It's not. It's simple. And then it's complicated, but then it's simple again. And if your head is spinning at the end of this, that is partially by design, and you will in fact feel, uh, the first hearers of John 10 felt, verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand. What He was saying to them. So we'll start off simply so that hopefully you would understand what Jesus is saying. And what I mean by this is just walk through the first five verses. John is unique. There really isn't any parables in the Gospel of John. But if you wanted to argue and make a case that John 10: one to five is a parable, I'm not going to report you to anybody. I'm not going to argue with you. This is very highly symbolic language. And so if you want to, you can get out the bulletin and follow along with the first five verses. But if you're just good hearing, that's okay too. So Jesus starts off saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly. Now the Greek words are amen, amen, which we have translated more like that more often because you know the words. We say them. They're good biblical words. Amen, amen. Truly, truly, never introduce a new section of Jesus' teaching. They are always a continuation and an amplification of what has just happened before. And so really the context for John chapter 10 is important. Now, if I had any guts, what I would do is I would stand up here and read to you John 7, 8, and 9. I'm not feeling that gutsy today, but I'll just describe it to you in brief. John chapter 7, it's the Feast of Booths. Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, to the temple, and he teaches. John 8, he continues to teach in the temple. and This is really important. The setting is the temple. Don't forget it. But things get really spicy in John chapter 8. Jesus says things like, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the Jew says, well, we've never been enslaved to anyone. Well, that's not entirely true, but, you know, who cares? So then they try to stone Jesus, and Jesus slips away. And as he is slipping away, the beginning of John chapter 9, he finds a man who is blind. And we read this during Lent. We read all of John chapter 9, in fact. And if you remember the story, what happens at the end, after Jesus heals the blind man, is the Pharisees... Throw him out of the synagogue for believing in Jesus. So there's two really important contextual things here in John 10. First, the temple. Second, the Pharisees have just thrown a guy out for believing in Jesus. We'll continue then with verse 1. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now, three things. Sheepfold, climbs, and door. The most challenging of these is, in fact, the sheepfold, because it doesn't mean sheepfold. (laughs) It's more generic than that. That's too specific of a word. The Greek word is ale, and in the Bible, it always means court or courtyard, as in the courtyard around the palace of the high priest, or in the Old Testament, the courtyard around the tabernacle, or, and here's the bingo, In the temple, the inner or the outer courts in the temple. And we actually probably know what court Jesus has in mind here in John 10. Because in John 8, he was just in the court of the women. So that's the court, it's the temple. And then the next word is climb. Now one always climbs, one always goes up to Jerusalem. Even if geographically one is going down, it doesn't matter. You always go up to Jerusalem. And the reason for this is because Jerusalem is on Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is a picture of heaven. You always go up to heaven. But even more than this, from the court of the women to the holy place, there was 15 steps, which one would climb. And as a person would climb these steps up to the holy place, they would say one of the Psalms of ascent on each of the steps, Psalms 120 to 134. It's 15. You would pray a psalm on each of them. And when they got to the top of the steps, guess what was there? A door! <laughs> actually, it's a gate. It's the same Greek word. Don't let it throw you off. It was called the Nicaner Gate. It's actually the gate which led right into the holy place. Which brings us then to verses three, 2 and 3. But he who enters by the door, or the gate, is the shepherd of the sheep to him. The gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So this gatekeeper then, he would have been a Levite. He was guarding the holy place, open the gate to those who belonged, and close it to those who didn't. He was supposed to keep unclean people out of the holy place, lest they defile it. Lest they defile the sacrifices. Now, shepherd is a term used in the Old Testament all the time for the leaders of Israel. Mostly kings and priests. The Levite, the gatekeeper, would have gladly opened up that gate, the Nicanor gate, for the priest, so that the priest could enter in and make his sacrifice. Now, Jesus is the good shepherd. Shocker. Don't want to give any spoils away. He doesn't say it until verse 11. He enters into the holy place so that he can make a sacrifice. He is the true leader, the true shepherd of Israel. And we know what that sacrifice is. The good shepherd lays down his own life. And he leads out his own. Because they hear his voice, they know his voice. Because he says things like, during the sacrifice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And it is finished. And with these words, Jesus is calling out to his sheep in the temple and he leads them out. That is, out of the old covenant and into the new. Because Jesus has sheep, which are not of this old, Gentiles, and there is one flock and one shepherd. And then to finish it out, verses 4 and 5. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. So only really one piece of this saying to deconstruct now. we got thieves, robbers, strangers, bad shepherds. Who are they? Well, they are those who would take their place in the temple without the proper authority. They sneak in through the back door to teach people bad stuff. This is what Jesus has been accusing the Pharisees of this entire time. They just threw a guy out of the synagogue and out of the temple for believing in Jesus. Now we do well to identify who the modern Pharisees are. Whenever you want to insult somebody who's a fellow Christian, what do you call them? You call them a Pharisee. Now, who knows whether or not it's true, but we should actually base it on something. So what's a modern-day Pharisee? It is somebody who uses authority apart from Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And then Jesus confers that authority to others. He gives authority to kings, presidents, members of Congress, teachers, pastors, and parents, etc. You have all been given a little slice of authority in your own vocations. Now the thieves, the bad shepherds, the robbers, are those who use that authority then to lead others away from Jesus. And there are a lot of thieves who would like to do that. We always need to be on guard. And sometimes it's hard, because wolves don't always look like wolves. Oftentimes they are dressed in sheep's clothes. So you must listen. That is difficult, yes. It is worth doing. You must be attuned to the word of God because if what people are saying is lined up with the Bible, hey, great, good shepherd. But if it, what they say goes against God's word, they only wish to come in and destroy. So that's the first five verses, simply explained, I hope. I hope you understand what Jesus is saying, but those who heard him initially did not understand what our Lord said. So Jesus continues Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. My friends, this is where it gets complicated. Jesus is the shepherd who enters through the door, and now Jesus has just said that he's the door. And then to make matters worse, or better I think, in what you could call inspired imagery or metaphorical madness, in Revelation 3, Jesus tells us that he stands at the door and knocks, begging you to let him in so he can enter to eat with you. Except this time, Jesus doesn't have in mind entering the temple in Jerusalem because he is the temple, which was destroyed, and he raised back up three days later. And so this is the picture. Try to follow along. The good shepherd knocks, and that good shepherd is Jesus. He knocks, and he enters through the door. That's Jesus. To enter the temple which is... Jesus. And then when we enter this temple, Jesus has a table set up for us and the Holy Spirit has also set up a table of metaphors. And when we look, we would find that the Holy Spirit has compared apples and oranges and figs. And just when you think you've got that all under your thumb, well then he throws in grapes because Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and this wine is my blood. He is the host of the meal, by being the meal himself, because he is the bread of life. If your high school English teacher ever told you not to mix metaphors, tell him to read the Bible. Because not only will you be doing literature or service, you will be fulfilling your duties of evangelism. And if you are tired of the wordplay, I'm sorry, not really, because you just wait until the dinner time conversation. Now, when American Lutherans get together, we start throwing out all these ridiculous initials, and nobody knows what in the world is going on, because we say things like, oh yeah, I belong to the ALC, the LCA, the AELC, the ELCA, the WELS, the ELS, the AALC, the LCMC, and the LCMS. And the whole world hears that, and they say, what are we having for dinner, alphabet soup? And then Jesus chimes in and says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He is the alphabet. And then John tells us that he is the Word himself. And at church, he becomes the preacher of that Word, meaning he preaches the Word, which is himself. And then when you've got all that under wraps, he stoops down and he washes your feet with water. While the water, he is in that water because it is the water which protrudes from his side. And then when dinner is all over, he leads the sheep from the temple, which is Jesus, and he is leading them to the pasture. But when you look, you will find that Jesus is the pasture on which we feed on. Jesus leads us from Jesus to Jesus. There's a clear progression. If Jesus didn't want us to go anywhere, he wouldn't lead us anywhere. If you want to call Jesus a progressive... (laughs) Okay, but the question is, what are we progressing towards? And the right answer is always Jesus. The Bible has a clear progression in mind. It starts in a garden and it ends in a city. But Jesus is there the entire way. But then Jesus chimes in and says that he is the way. That's the God-honest truth. But yet again, Jesus said that he was the truth. And just when you've got all that, the Holy Spirit knocks and he calls your attention to look into heaven. And when you look, you will find that the Good Shepherd has now become the Lamb of God the one slain before the foundation who takes away all your sin. But if you blink and you look again, you will find that he is the Lion of Judah. Now, if all of that is too complicated, which very well might be, but I didn't say it, the Holy Spirit did, (laughs) well, then let's just make things really, really, really simple. Jesus came here to give you life, and to give it to you abundantly. But you must remember that Jesus is the life, meaning Jesus came here to give you himself, he came here to die. The good shepherd lays down his own life. Nobody takes it away from him. But he lays it down under his own authority. And he picks it back up again. He is resurrected so that he can resurrect you. But you must remember that he said, I am the resurrection. Maybe what St. Paul said, that Christ is all in all, might finally start making some sense. So it is absolutely remarkable that our Lord would stand at the door and knock. The king of heaven stands outside like a poor, miserable beggar, begging you to let you in so that he can enter and eat with you. The Bible wasn't a romantic comedy. It would be a horror movie because Jesus just keeps coming back and back. You cannot avoid him everywhere you look. Just look in John chapter 10. He is the shepherd, he is the door, he is the holy place, he is the glory that fills the holy place, he is the priest, he is the sacrifice, and he is the altar. You might be annoyed that our God would not leave you alone, but thanks be to God that he doesn't. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't knock on the door. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't speak to you today in his word. And So how should you respond to that? Well, Jesus quite clearly says that his sheep hear his voice, they know his voice. If you love him, you will do what he commands you. And the biggest command is to believe in him and to be a part of his flock. So I suppose the only thing left to do then is to get out the old Lutheran hymnal and to sing number 348, Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. Jesus. But I hope by now you're starting to see that if you have only Jesus, you only have everything. Now may the God of peace, brought from again the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory now and forever.